Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. Do you consider yourself a wise man or a wise woman? The Bible gives us an incredible picture of what genuine wisdom looks like in the story of the wise men. Let's listen carefully now as the scriptures reveal to us how we might live like wise men and wise women in the kingdom of God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Well, good afternoon and welcome to another teaching. Merry Christmas. It is uh, Sunday, December 8th, and uh, today we're going to be talking about the three wise men in uh, the beginning of Matthew 2. It's 12 verses, verses 1 to 12, and so we're going to head and open in prayer and then we will get right into it. Father, we do thank you for this time and we thank you for providing it. We thank you for the word of God. Father, we thank you for this story in our Bible of the three wise men, Lord. I ask you to open our hearts now, Holy Spirit, and reveal to us what you would have us to learn. We thank you for the word of God, and above all, we thank you for Jesus Christ, our Lord. It's in his name we pray, in Jesus' name, amen and amen. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and of incense and of myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Thank you, Father. So we have here a very famous story, the story of the three wise men. For most of us listening, we've known this story since we were children. The first question we always ask ourselves, we say again and again, is why is this in the Bible? This is an incredible story that we've, we've all known most of our lives. But we want to know why it's in the Bible. It's not just in here to be a, a wonderful story that we, uh, we think about at Christmas time. Romans 15 verse 4 says that everything that was written in the past was written to teach us. Not just to tell us, but to teach us. 
and as well as 1 Corinthians 10 verses 6 and 11 say that these things are written down as examples to us. So we want to see what this has to teach us and what these wise men have as examples to us. Um, I do want to thank my brother Jason for his help in some of the research on this. I appreciate that, brother. Verse 1. After Jesus was born in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem, verse 2, and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. So the Bible but never says that there are three wise men. It's clearly it's plural that it says we have come to worship him. So it could be two, it could be four, it could be five. Um, generally, history tells us that it's three because they, they presented Jesus with the three gifts that we see, gold and incense and myrrh. But we're never told exactly that it's three wise men, but it's clearly plural. It's clearly multiple wise men. Now, it says they came from the east. The east is considered Mesopotamia, which means these wise men could have come probably out of Iraq, modern-day Iraq, or Iran, or Syria, or Turkey. All of that is, is Mesopotamia, when the Bible refers to um, they came from the east. So the distance, depending on where they were, and again, it could have been any of those countries, is between 400 and 700 miles was this journey. So they went on a journey, an extensive journey, through difficult lands that was between 400 and 700 miles. Now, I'm sorry that I, at this point, I do not know what that is in kilometers. I'm going to ask the IT guy, Stephen, that uh, does the production of these. Hopefully, he can look that up here quickly. What, what are the kilometers that match four to 700 miles? So... It says that they came and asked, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. In our journey, in our lives, there is nothing we can do that's more valuable than what these wise men did. They went on a long journey. We're going to see that uh, there are going to be you know, some obstacles in this journey. But all they care about is that they want to find the one who has been born King of the Jews. Is that our heart today? Is that your heart today? In your journey in life, do you have a heart to find the King of the Jews? Wherever you are today, look into your heart and ask yourself, do I have a heart to find Jesus? Now, if you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you need to receive him now as your Savior for the forgiveness of your sins and the salvation of your soul. But even as Christians, you know, we want to continue to have this heart in us all the time. It comes up to us at Christmas time, but we continually want to have a heart of where can I find Jesus? Uh, whatever your circumstances are, whether it's in your family, whether it's with friends, whether it's with colleagues, you want to ask yourself, where is Jesus? What is the heart of Jesus in this situation? And, and our first priority with Jesus should be to worship him. You notice that they proclaim and they testify that all I care about is finding the king of the Jews because I've come to worship him. Oftentimes, I myself, I confess, Lord, that, uh, that I come to you more often to, because I want something for you or I need something. And, 
And the Lord certainly does want us to come to him with our prayers and our requests, but we ought to have a lifestyle of worshiping Jesus. In the Western culture, we have such an opportunity that we can worship Jesus freely uh, wherever we are. And oftentimes it's something that we take for granted. Forgive us, Father. Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? So how long is that? So 400 miles is 643 kilometers, and 700 miles is 1127 kilometers. And I'm sorry that I didn't have that earlier. Thank you, Stephen. Verse 3. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. So wait a minute. Why wasn't he excited? These men come from a long way away from another country, and they tell him that they saw the star of Jesus, of the Messiah, of the Christ. But it doesn't say that Herod, who is the king in Jerusalem, is excited. It doesn't even say that Jerusalem and, uh, and her leaders are excited. It says, when King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. Uh, Father, forgive us when... when when we don't have a delight about bringing Jesus into the situation. Sometimes we, we don't have a heart to, to, to do what Jesus would have us to do. Sometimes, you know, bringing Jesus into the situation isn't fun for us. These wise men have gone on an extensive journey, could be up to two years, to find Jesus they are between 400 and 700 miles away. And now they're in Jerusalem, which is only five miles or so from Bethlehem. And no one in Jerusalem, interestingly enough, knows about this. So it's interesting that you can be 700 miles away and have more insight about Jesus than someone who's five miles away. And that's often the case in our lives, I think. I think there have been many a time in my life where Jesus is right next to me, but, but I'm preoccupied or my desires are elsewhere or my intentions are elsewhere. And so, um, so I'm, not, I'm not experiencing him and life with him and his love and his, uh, and his direction. Help us, Father, to, uh, to truly experience you, Lord Jesus. Help us to be on the same page with you, Lord Jesus, that when you're close to us, we can experience you, or when you're far away, we can experience you, Lord. Um, Lord, we know you're always right next to us, Lord. We just, we just ask you to help us to have a heart and a mind that can recognize you. Thank you, Father. Why is Herod disturbed? Well, the Magi, as a, as a, as a brother of mine, uh, Dave Anderson said that the Magi called him the king of the Jews. You know, so Herod is saying, well, wait a minute. I'm the king of the Jews. And so he's not happy to hear about another king. And so his heart is in the wrong place. We want Jesus to be the king of our lives. But there's often times in our life where our desires are not on the same page with Jesus and or our intentions are not in line with the word of God. And when that happens, oftentimes we, we have the same spirit about us that, you know, we're in conflict because we know that it's what Jesus would have for us is, is really all that matters. 
But when there's areas of our lives that are not in line with the scriptures or when we're disobedient, we can have a, a similar spirit in us, right? Um, when we don't want to obey the word of God or be on the same page as our Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we ask you to help us in this in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Verse 4, when he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. 5. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. Verse 6. But you, Bethlehem, and the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. It's interesting that, again, they are five miles, five and a half miles from Bethlehem to where Jesus is. Jesus has been there for two years, and they have no idea of it. But these men, who are up to 700 miles away, Jesus has been revealed to them, and God moves a star to direct them all the way to where Jesus lives, as we'll see here in a few verses. And again, that just speaks to the fact that if you have a heart to know Jesus, if you have a heart to walk with him, God will move heaven and earth to get you into deep and intimate and growing and active relationship with Jesus. But if that's not your concern, if you don't care, he can be right on top of you and, and, and you won't notice him. What's interesting, though, as I said, is that Herod calls in the pastors and teachers of that day. And he says, you know, where is the Christ to be born? Now, and they know the right answer. They know what the word of God says. So you see that the, the teachers of the law say, well, he's supposed to be born in Bethlehem because that's what the Bible says in Micah 5, verse 2. So they know the scriptures. They have a knowledge of the scriptures. They have an intellectual knowledge of the scriptures, but they don't have a heart for the God of the scriptures. And certainly that's an immense problem in, in, uh, in our lives today and, and in the church today. And certainly I've had this problem. We want to make sure that we have a tremendous desire for the Bible, for the Word of God. But we cannot have a desire for the Scriptures that doesn't include an even greater desire for Jesus. They know the word of God, but they're disturbed when they hear about Jesus. It cannot be that way. We will never truly know and appreciate and love the Bible if we don't love Jesus first and foremost. Lord Jesus, we ask you to forgive us when, when we haven't pursued you and loved you, Lord, in a way that we can really know you. Um, and Lord, forgive me when I have, when I have not made you the priority or when I have had a knowledge of the scriptures that hasn't, uh, that hasn't put you at the forefront of it. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So again, we want to, we want to make sure we have a, a dedication to the word of God. There's nothing more valuable in our lives, but that has to come with a primary devotion to Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, because otherwise it'll just be head knowledge. It'll do us no good. And we can see that that's the problem here. Um, again, they know exactly where Jesus was to be born, but they haven't had any idea for two years that he has been born. And yet here are Gentiles, non-Jews, four to 700 miles away, and the Lord has led them by a star to find the King of the Jews, 
with no other heart but to worship him. Wow. Help us, Lord Jesus. We have the, the scripture. Uh, we have the, uh, the prophecy in Micah 5, verse 2. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. Jesus is consistently called a shepherd, and we are called sheep. Not a very complimentary thing, because a sheep is one of, if not the most foolish animal. But that is a picture of, of where we are in our sinfulness and our need of Jesus as, as the great shepherd. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Verse 7. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. When you read down into the chapter, we're going to find out, you know, we're going to, we'll, we'll see some terrible things. We're going to see that, uh, the Magi outwit Herod because they're given a dream, as we read in verse 12. And Herod is going to have all the boys two years and younger killed because the Magi, you know, they go back to their country by another route. And so that's just a terrible thing. And it does beg this question. The Magi were led all the way from Iran, Iraq, Syria, Turkey, somewhere in that vicinity and they saw the star there, and that led them all the way to, to Jerusalem. But, but why does the star stop there? I mean, why, why didn't the Lord just have the star go from, you know, wherever they were in the Middle East, straight to Bethlehem? Why would the Lord have the star detour to a place where these men had to go before Herod? Why does the Lord sometimes allow these detours in our lives, uh, these difficulties in our lives? You know, sometimes if, if we're going to have a heart to find Jesus and to truly walk with Jesus in a meaningful way, the Lord will allow some difficulties in our lives. And I'm sure, uh, I'm sure many people listening to this can, can remember times where there's been some difficulties in various aspects of our lives, whether it's families or friends or work or, or just trying to testify about Jesus. Again, the Lord obviously could have had the star go directly from the Middle East straight to Bethlehem. But instead, he has this detour where these men have to go in and testify. Now, that's an important point. Whatever the detours in our lives, whatever the problems in your lives, wherever the Lord allows something to happen in your life, you want to testify that you're looking for the King of the Jews. You want to testify that I'm just looking for Jesus and I want to worship him. So the Lord allows this detour so that these wise men can testify about Jesus. And again, the remarkable thing is that this testimony that they bring is going to bring about just a, a, an incredible travesty that in the sovereignty of God, because of these wise men stopping in Jerusalem and telling the king that they're looking for Jesus and they've been led by this star, the king is going to have all the boys two years old and younger killed. And all of that could have been avoided if the Lord just had the star go straight from the Middle East, straight to Bethlehem. But the Lord, and you know, sometimes allows difficult things in our lives. And, uh, 
And we have to keep faith in him, knowing that, uh, that he knows what's best. So, Father, we ask you to help us when, uh, when the detours of our lives go to places that we don't understand. But help us, like these wise men, to testify, Lord, to show that we are wise men and wise women that will testify and say, I'm just looking for Jesus because I want to worship him. Help us, Father, in the name of Jesus. So Herod, again, it says in verse 7, asked the Magi the exact time the star had appeared. Now, the reason he had asked them this, as, as we'll see here, is, is, is he's fearful for his territory being taken over. He's fearful that there's going to be another king and that he's going to lose his position. And so that's why he wants to know the exact time. Regrettably, we this type of, uh, what do you want to call it, territorialism, this type of control we can often see in our own lives, in our own homes, in our own churches. Forgive us, Father. Um, help us, Father, just to have a, an open heart when it comes to whatever position you had give, you've given us, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You know, Herod here is worried about his position. He's worried about his position of authority. And, uh, and sometimes we can, we can act in the same way. And uh, forgive us again, Lord Jesus, and, and, and help us to, uh, to trust you, Lord, with our positions. We know that as we read on, the exact time it appears is around two years ago. So we, we glean from that that Jesus is around two years old now. Again, he's not in a manger here. They're going to come to the house where Mary is. So he's around two years old at this time in his life. Verse 8. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. Obviously, Herod here is, uh, is lying. He is uh, manipulating them. And he doesn't want to go and worship Jesus. He wants, he wants to have Jesus killed. So he makes up this story that he wants to go and worship him. Again, what's going to come about in, in the, the second half of this chapter is, um, is just terrible. Um, but again, the Lord and his sovereignty, this was prophesied in the Old Testament that, uh, that Herod would do this, this terrible act of killing all the boys two years and younger. And uh, we have to trust the Lord sometimes in, in extremely difficult situations. Help us, Father. Verse 9. Now I asked, again, why does the star stop in Jerusalem? I've asked again why the Lord would have to detour him before this terrible man and why the Lord sometimes allows detours in our lives. But you notice in verse 9 it says, After they had heard the king, they went on their way. And the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. Again, Father, I don't know why the star just didn't go from the Middle East all the way to Bethlehem. Because then Herod wouldn't have known anything about this. Um, he wouldn't have been fearful for his kingdom. He wouldn't have been fearful that another king is going to take away his position. He wouldn't have had this... Uh, you know, this inclination because he wouldn't even have known about it. But it's because the star does go by way of Jerusalem that now Herod finds out about all this. And so sometimes it's hard to understand the sovereignty of God in, uh, in situations. 
this other aspect of this of this star moving it's it's not often that uh, certainly i've never been led by a star uh, a star can be a pretty big thing i think the sun is a star right a really really big star but it's a good thing it doesn't move cuz we'd all be dead very quickly right but and uh i think and people far smarter than me who are listening to this can correct me, but don't astronomers, can't they even today, don't they rely on the fact that the, that certain stars never move or all the stars never move and that we can, you know, we can find different uh, geographic functions and various other things by that? My point I'm making is that the stars don't move, right? The Big Dipper has always been there, all those stars that make up the Big Dipper. But this star is moving. This star is rolling, right? That's quite a deal, right? I don't know about y'all. I don't have the authority or the power to move a star. When I look up in the sky, you know, I can't cause a star to move. That's obviously uh, an immense miracle done by God. But what it shows us is the lengths that your heavenly father will move to help you in your walk with Jesus Christ. He moves a star so that these men, who again are Gentiles, and in the Bible there are only two groups of people. There are Jewish people who've descended from Abraham and they're, you know, they're physical descendants. And then there are Gentiles who are just anyone that's not Jewish. And these are Gentiles from a foreign land because none of his own people, none of the Jewish people that God had chosen in the Old Testament had a heart for this, so it wasn't revealed to them. But these, uh, they're called wise men, and now we can see why they're called wise men, um, had a heart to find Jesus, and the Lord, the Lord moved a star for them. Golly, Father, thank you, Lord Jesus. And he'll move that star for you as well. Whatever's going on in your life, if you have a heart to find Jesus, if you have a heart to worship Jesus, and the Lord will, will make it happen for you. Thank you, Father. Verse 10, it says, When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. This long journey, again, it could have been up to two years, has now has come to its fulfillment. And, and now the star has stopped over Jesus' house. And it says when they saw this, they were, just, they were just overjoyed. Again, all the people five miles away, it says King Herod and all Jerusalem were disturbed. But these wise men are overjoyed. It's not just joyed. It's some kind of joy that's over. Joy on top of joy. You know, sometimes the, the Christmas story can get commonplace for us. And uh, we, can, we can forget the majesty of it all and the, just the incredibleness of all that Christmas means to us and the birth of our Savior, that he'll come and save us from our sins. And he's doing that today. Where is your joy today in Jesus? Are you overjoyed in Jesus? Because I confess that, that I'm not oftentimes. Um, sometimes I'm just very consumed with my life and uh, this journey of life that I'm on. These wise men are on a journey 
it often, you know, gets me to a place where I forget the true joy I have in Jesus Christ. And I don't know how much I'm, I'm often overjoyed. I have joy, I believe, sometimes, but overjoyed. Well, let that be the case for us today. If, if, uh, if you've never received Jesus as your Savior, well, you know what? Stop and pray now. Pray, Lord Jesus, I thank you for your birth. I thank you for living for me and dying for me. And I thank you that you've been raised from the dead, Jesus. And I just ask you to be my Savior. I ask you to come into my heart and be the Lord of my life and save me from my sin and bring me to heaven when I die. I just place all my faith in you, Lord Jesus, and all my confidence in you to save me and to be my everlasting Lord and God, Lord Jesus. Just pray that prayer if you don't know him as your Lord and Savior and just be filled with the joy of Jesus living in your heart. And, and then for the majority of us who, who are Christians, let's get back to that place of having joy in Jesus and to, and to really know the joy of Jesus. The majority of us, if we were to answer honestly, would say, yeah, we don't have that much joy in Jesus. And uh, Lord, we ask you to help us with that. We ask you to forgive us, Father, um, that we have and so often do lose our joy. We just don't want to be Sunday Christians. You know what I mean? We, it's wonderful to worship in church, but that's not the only time we ought to have joy in Jesus, right? We ought to have joy in Jesus moment by moment, day by day. And, and really, there's nothing better than that. As we're going to see here in these last two verses, Father, help us to, to have joy and then somehow be overjoyed. Wow. Verse 11. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. They've gone on a journey of whatever I said, 1,127 kilometers, 700 miles perhaps. And you notice they haven't asked for anything. All they've come to do is worship him and give to him. You know, the majority of my life, I confess, I more often than not, I, I come to him and not to worship him, but to ask things of him and to get from him. These wise men don't ask for anything. They worship him and give to him. And, you know, of course, our Heavenly Father wants us to come to him and to pray and to make our requests known to him. But, Father, help us to have hearts more and more and more that, that genuinely and truly want to worship you, Lord, and give to you as well as receive from you. Help us, Lord. Help me, Lord Jesus. They worshipped him. They, uh, they went on a... An incredibly long journey that has some detours with no other desire but to worship Jesus and to give to him. And Lord, help that to be the journey of our lives. Help us to be like these wise men. Help us to be wise men and wise women that, that go on the journey of life and uh, just have a heart to, to worship you, Lord Jesus, and give to you. My neighbor Tom has a Christmas sign that I love every year. Took him a little while to get it up this year, so I asked him, hey, where's the, where's the wise men sign? And now they finally got it up. And the sign says, wise men still seek him today. 
And that's true, right? Wise men and and wise women will still seek Jesus out like these wise men did. It says, Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and of incense and of myrrh. So again, they came an incredibly long distance to worship and give to Jesus. The vast majority of time, we go an incredibly short distance to ask for stuff and to receive from Jesus. And again, I'm not, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm just saying there's a picture here and why this is in the Bible is that if we'll have a heart on this journey of life with its twists and turns and difficulties that the Lord allows in our lives to continue to worship Jesus and to lay gifts at his feet. It says they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and of incense and of myrrh. This is a beautiful picture. I got I to gotta find it. I'm sure there's paintings of this, right? Of the wise men worshiping at the feet of the two-year-old. I can picture Jesus standing there at two years old. Um, some of you have children that are around that age. You know, Can you picture Jesus at two years old and then these, these wise men bowing before him with their face to the ground, worshiping him? It's a beautiful scene. I, gotta, I wanna see some pictures of that, some paintings of that. They gave their gifts to Jesus. They, they laid at the feet of Jesus their treasures, it says. Gold, incense, and myrrh. What is, what is God calling you today to lay at the feet of Jesus? Then they opened their treasures and gave them to Jesus as they worshiped. What do you need today? What do I need today? What do we need today, each individually and particularly, to lay at the feet of Jesus? Maybe it's your time. Maybe you need to, to start the new year laying your time at the feet of Jesus and saying, Lord Jesus, use me and use my time um, in whatever way you would have. Maybe it's your talents. For many of you out there, you're, you're extremely gifted, extremely smart. And those talents are not being fully utilized. I mean, there's people in other countries that listen to this. I mean, you're like the smartest people in the world. And uh, the Lord wants to use those talents more and more and more and more. That has not been my burden, being smart like that. But uh, hopefully I'm a blessing in other ways. You know, maybe it's, uh, maybe it's your money. Right, Your time, your talents, maybe it's your money you need to lay at the feet of Jesus. Maybe you have not prioritized Jesus uh, and the advancement of his kingdom financially. Maybe it's some things the Lord's asking you to lead down. Maybe you're, maybe you're on social media three hours a day, and that's just uh, a little bit too much. You know, maybe, you, maybe you just watch uh, an obsessive amount of TV or you're on the computer. What, you know, what do you have to lay at the feet of Jesus? What is God calling you now? as a wise man or a wise woman. Take time and think about it. Take time and consider what needs to be laid at the feet of Jesus anew and afresh as you end this year and go into 2020. Father, help us and show us and reveal to us what, what we need to present to Jesus and give to Jesus. Father, I thank you that we can continue to, to come to you and pray and, and ask for things 
Um, but Father, I ask you to help us to just simply worship you um, a little bit more and, uh, and to lay things at the feet of Jesus that, uh, that you've called us to. Help us to be wise men and wise women, Lord Jesus. And finally, verse 12, And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Um, so again, there we have it. There was apparently another route that they could have gotten back to the Middle East. You know, Father, sometimes I wish that they, I, you know, I do. I, I wish that that route, they, they had taken that route, you know, on the way to Jesus. And that way Herod wouldn't have known about this and all of those babies wouldn't have been killed. But, uh, but again, we know that uh, our Heavenly Father knows what's best. And again, as, as we walk with Jesus, we see here that uh, the Father provides for them. He provides a dream. As you and I walk with Jesus, as we walk with a heart to worship him, to love him, and to lay our gifts at his feet, you know, we can have similar experiences to these wise men. Well, Father, we do thank you for this time, and we thank you for the word of God. We thank you, Lord, that this is in the Bible. Golly, Lord, uh, you know, just so many years, Lord, we've looked at this teaching and we've seen it as a story. But, but Lord, help us now to, to truly live as wise men and wise women as we live this life for Jesus Christ, our Lord. Father, we love you, we bless you, and we thank you, Lord. We ask you to help us to, to persist even when you allow detours in our lives or allow us to be in difficult situations as these wise men were before Herod. But Lord, help us to keep our path straight. Like these wise men, Father, help us to say, we don't know nothing, but all I know is we need to find Jesus. I need the King of the Jews. Father, help that to be the cry of our heart every day that I need to find the King of the Jews. I need to find me some Jesus today, wherever he is. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Father, we love you and we bless you. We commit this time into your hands. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. For more information about our ministry, please visit www.kingdomd.org.